Amen. Now this morning, we're going to wrap up this series that we've called Legacy. You know, a legacy is something that's that's handed down to the next generation. And God is a legacy-building God. He's a generational legacy-building God. He is, he's built uh, His legacy uh, all along. We are part of that legacy, and it's going to go on beyond us. And the great news is He wants us to be a part of it. Amen? Now, just a quick little re- recap. Uh, in this series, we talked about in week one that we need to live our lives on purpose, which means we need to pursue the right things in life and not to squander our life and not to just uh, spend our life doing nothing. A good question to ask ourselves is, what's the main focus of your life? What am I spending my precious life trying to accomplish? You know, life is way too ba- valuable to just squander it, to just throw it away. Don't you agree with that? Life is precious, amen? Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It's possible to spend your whole life on trivial, meaningless things and totally waste your life. So we need to have purpose. Remember the compass and the clock. The compass, we need to figure out where we're going. The clock, we got to remember that every day counts. Every day counts. Every week counts. Every month counts. We're never going to get be able to get back the day that we lived yesterday. And after today is over, we'll never get that day back. And so we only have now and what's ahead to really invest it and make a difference. Amen. And then in week two, we talked about the importance of spending our lives developing meaningful relationships. At the end of our lives, the only thing that will really matter is the meaning ref- meaningful relationships that we have developed. It's the only thing that's going to live on. And here's another good question to ask ourselves. At the end of my life, whose life will be better off as a result of the meaningful relationships that I've developed? In other words, whose life am I making better because of the investment of my life? That's a good question to ask. Come on, how many of you believe it would be good for us to make a difference with our life? Amen? And so then in week three, we talked about the importance of investing our lives in service to God. As Christians, we should be, we should all remember that we've been saved. First of all, we've been created, we've been saved, and we've been called with a special purpose in ministry to fulfill in God's kingdom. None of us have, uh, you know, none of us are like off the team. Everybody's on the team. Amen. Everybody's drafted on the team. And so if you're a believer, you got a place in God's legacy and God's kingdom. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 8, remember, that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whatever, whether we slaves or free. Another good question to ask is, what am I doing for the Lord? What am I doing with my days, my hours, my weeks? What am I doing for the Lord? Am I just showing up at church and going home and, and just, you know, clocking Sundays in? Or am I doing something for God? I want to, I want to challenge you to just ask God that question. God, where am I making a difference for you? And how can I make a better difference for you? Amen. That's a good question. And I'm convinced there's no greater way to live your life than building meaningful relationships and spending your life in service to God and serving others. Amen. Now today we're going to conclude our series talking about giving beyond yourself. Giving beyond yourself. When you really sit down and think about it, it's impossible to leave a lasting legacy without having a generous spirit. Don't you agree? I mean, listen, Acts 20, 35, you should be there already. Let's look at this one verse. 
This is what Paul said. I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that verse of Scripture defies natural logic. In natural thinking, you would think, no, man, when you receive, that's when you're blessed. Whenever somebody gives something to you, that's when you're blessed. But no, Jesus said, no, no, no. You're more blessed if you give rather than receive. So Jesus is saying giving is a superior way of living. That's what he's saying. Now, listen, there are two kinds of people in life, givers and takers. Givers are like the Sea of Galilee. They're constantly receiving, but at the same time, always giving out and refreshing others. Takers are like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is constantly receiving, but never giving out to anybody else. The Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, givers and takers. The Dead Sea has a stream feeding into it on a regular basis, but nothing going out. And so therefore, the water becomes stagnant and there's no life in the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee, on the other hand, it has a river coming in, but it has a river going out. And so it's constantly keeping the water fresh and therefore life can live in it. Amen? The only difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee is this. The Sea of Galilee has an outlet. It gives. The Sea of Galilee is filled with all kinds of life because it's learned how to not just receive but to give. Because it gives, it's filled with life. The Dead Sea, the reason why it's called dead is because it's dead. Question for you. Which one are you? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Are you a Sea of Galilee? Are you a Dead Sea? Come on, I believe God wants us to be a Sea of Galilee. He wants us to be givers, not takers. Amen? If you want to leave a lasting legacy, you have to learn to be a giver. Listen, the reason Jesus had so much influence and changed so many lives, it's not because he was a taker. It's because he was a giver. And shouldn't we be like Jesus Christ? Listen what the Bible says, Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life, give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave his life. And because he gave his life, he's changed millions and millions of lives. Amen? That's why he's considered the greatest leader that ever lived. Not because he was a taker, but because he was a giver. Think about with me Mother Teresa. How many of you heard of her? Mother Teresa. Come on, don't lie in church. How many of you heard of Mother Teresa? I knew there was more of you that did that. In case you don't know, she was a nun. And she lived her life in India helping those that were dying. And Mother Teresa got an audience with the presidents of nations. She built this legacy. Why did she, why did Mother Teresa have such an impact? It's because she learned to give her life away in service to others. Luke chapter 9 and verse 24, Jesus said, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's in giving your life away that you truly begin to leave a legacy and have an impactful life. The value of life, listen to this. It's not measured or determined by how much we achieve or accumulate in life. The value of life is measured rather by how much of life we give away. That's really a powerful life. If you've noticed, we never celebrate people's accomplishments or their possessions at a funeral eulogy. But we only celebrate their generosity and their selflessness. Have you noticed that? You know what's that saying? This is a part of that person's life that has impacted me. And so the bottom line is lasting legacies are built by people who have learned to give their life away into service to God and to service others. Come on, how many of you want your life to be an impact? How many of you want your life to have a a powerful influence? Now listen, you know, sometimes I mention this. I want to mention it again. If, if I was the enemy trying to hinder the kingdom of God, I would just try, if, if I couldn't stop people from becoming Christians, I would simply try to do this. I would simply try to keep them selfish and self-centered and not be a servant and not be willing to give of their life in the service to God. And I would totally hinder the work of the kingdom of God. However, if I couldn't succeed in doing that, my kingdom would be doomed. Amen? Come on, how many of you know, the more we, the church, learn how to give our life away, the more lives will be changed around us. Can I get a amen? Amen. That's good. Amen. All right. So now let's talk about why is being generous such a superior way of living? I want to give you a couple of reasons, six to be exact. The first reason is this. Giving is a superior way of living because giving helps me to reflect the nature and the character of God. Is God a giver or is God a taker? How many of you would agree? God is a giver. So when we give, we act like God, right? John 3, 16, most familiar verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only and one son. Now, how generous is that? For God to give his son, not $100 bills, he gave his son. Well, he had other sons. He gave his only son. That's pretty generous, amen? And so listen, it's the giver that are the most influential people in the world. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. How many of you know, how many of you believe that God is a generous God? He's generous. His nature, his spirit is generous. If he wasn't generous, we probably wouldn't exist. He'd have probably already wiped us off the planet. But thank God he's generous and he gives mercy and he gives grace and he gives love and he gives second chances. Amen. Come on. How many of you glad he's a generous God? God is very generous and he gives generously to all. So when we give, we are reflecting the nature and the character of God. Now, let me just pause for a minute to say, what's the nature and character of the enemy? Didn't Jesus say that he comes to steal, kill and destroy? You see, the nature of the enemy is the taker. So listen, wouldn't it be sad for us to be Christians and act like Satan? Come on, we're Christians. We need to act like. Come on, are y'all with me out there? The more we give, the more we reflect, and the more we act like God. Nothing reveals the nature and character of God more than when we give. And listen, 
Nothing reveals our spiritual maturity more than when we give. You know, listen, anybody can prophesy and anybody can say, I got a word for you. Let me pray for you. I pray for healing, you know, and act very spiritual. But God said, listen, some people are going to cast out devils in my name and I'll say, I'll never knew you. You know, what, what really, what really reflects spiritual maturity is whenever we're able to give our life away. It reflects spiritual maturity. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. The grace of giving. I like that. I like that phrase, the grace of giving. As Christians, our goal should be to excel in the grace of giving, which means however much of a giver I was last year, I should be more of a giver this year. I should constantly be growing in my ability to give. And the more I give, the more I'm acting like my Father God, and the more I'm reflecting the nature and character of God. A byproduct of spiritual maturity is generosity. Amen? And so listen, the more we grow spiritually, the more generous we should be. A second blessing of being a giver is this. Giving helps to keep my heart right spiritually. Giving helps me. It helps me to stay on track. There's a spiritual truth that our hearts follow our giving. Whatever we give to, our hearts follow that. When you start investing time, money, resources into something, your heart's going to go after that. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So listen, if our hearts follow what we give to, then we should give generously into the kingdom of God. Why? So our hearts can stay on track spiritually. Come on, how many of you think it's good serving God? Can, can we just have a, just a quick like rewind for a moment? Remember where you were before you served God? Hey, can you just imagine with me for a while? Where would you be if you weren't a Christian? Come on, that's a terrible thought. I'm getting depressed already. I want to move on. What about you? Don't you think it's a blessing being on track spiritually? So listen, you know, part of giving, Jesus said, listen, store up treasures in heaven because where you store up your treasure, that's where your heart is going to follow. And so the more we invest in the kingdom of God, the more our heart will stay on track. Here's a third blessing of being a giver. And it's this, giving helps keep the love of money from stealing our heart away from God. You know, listen, nothing will keep us from serving others and serving God like the love of money. The love of money. And you know what? It is so deceptive. It's so subtle. And you know what's the crazy thing? You say, well, you know, I don't have enough money to be in love with money. You know, it has nothing to do with how much you have. Come on, how many of you know that? You know, sometimes we we see people that are wealthy and say, they got the love of money. And the reality is some of the, some of the poorest people on the planet have more love of money than the people that have millions and millions. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Help me say amen. Listen, 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the root, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people 
craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The love of money has caused them to wander from the faith. The love of money has a way of controlling your heart and keep you from the true riches of God. You remember when Jesus uh, told that story about the rich young ruler? And that rich young ruler said, hey, what's the secret? How do you get the kingdom of God? And this is what he said in Luke 18, 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit life? And, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Now, he's doing pretty good, wouldn't you say? I mean, he's pretty moral. He's honoring his father and mother. That's that's great right there. He's not stealing from anybody. He's not murdering. He's not committing adultery. He's not testifying. He's not speaking ill of other people. He's doing pretty good. I've carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was young. But verse 22, when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. Now, the rich man had become controlled by his money. He became controlled by the love of money. And he wasn't willing to part from the, from the, from the material riches to get the true riches. And do you think there's anybody in church today that might be in that same boat? That they're getting robbed of the true riches because their heart has been gripped by the love of money? The rich man was so controlled by the love of his money that he wasn't willing to part with it for the true riches. Don't you agree with me that money is powerful? And if we're not careful, we can serve money and be controlled by money and keep us from the true riches of God. But listen, generosity is what keeps us from being controlled by money. You know, tithing. You know, in church, there's more debate about tithing than anything else. And people will say, you know, they'll do more Bible study to find out why it's not biblical to tithe than anything else. They, not too many people will do a thorough investigation of what it means to really love your neighbor. But when it comes to tithing, they'll do a thorough investigation of if there's any loopholes to get around tithing because they don't want to tithe. But listen, the reason why Jesus says to tithe, he doesn't need our money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? He doesn't need our money. He doesn't want us to get controlled by money. And he's trying to keep us from many heart pains. He's trying to keep us from from losing the true riches of heaven. That's why he encourages us to learn how to give. Amen. His motivation is not selfish. His motivation is generous. He wants to he wants our life to be blessed. Amen. And so listen. Money is very powerful and controlling, but generosity keeps it from dominating your heart. First Timothy 6:17 says, "Tell those who are rich not to be proud, not to trust in their money." which will soon be gone. But their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. 
By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Now, Timothy tells us giving does three things. Number one, he says, giving keeps us from falling in love with money. Number one. But number two, he says, giving keeps us from putting our faith and trust in money. You know, how do, how do you know whether you put your faith and trust in money versus God? You know, whenever you quit, uh, have time to go to church and quit having time to read your Bible and pray and seek God because you're so busy with business, that's a sign that you're putting your trust in money instead of God. Right? Am I right? Say amen if that's right. So listen, the third thing he says is giving helps us to overcome pride and greed. It's amazing that whenever the more money you make, the more arrogant you become. The more money you get, the more proud you become. The more money you make, not always, but you have the potential of that. But you know what keeps you humbled? You know what keeps you on level ground? Be generous. Be generous. And God will keep your heart on track. The bottom line is being generous helps keeps my heart right with God and keep me on track spiritually. How many of you think that's an important point right there? Amen. Now, a fourth blessing of being a giver is giving allows me to better, uh, allows me to better as well as change other people's lives. You can change people's lives by your generosity. Remember this. Remember, God always gives generous people more to be generous with. So the more generous we are, the greater the chances of God blessing us. God always gives generous people more to be generous with. So the more generous we are, the greater chances of God blessing us. And if you want God blessing you in an abundant way, you got to be generous. First, uh, Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, so that you can always be generous. Listen, God isn't interested in prospering us so we can fill up First National Bank. That's that's selfish. That's self-centered. God wants to prosper us so we can help others and we can build the kingdom of God. I didn't get nearly a good enough amen right there, so I'm going to say that again. God is not interested in prospering us so we can fill up our borns. And then our soul gets called up before God and we say, God, I got so much, man. I'm loaded. And God says, what about your soul? See, God is not interested in prospering us to fill up the First National Bank. God is interested in prospering us so we can be generous with our lives and so that we can be a blessing all around us. Amen? Come on. Are y'all receiving this today? God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. That's what he told Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Come on. Sometimes we start out in the Sea of Galilee and we turn into the Dead Sea. And we quit giving out. 
Come on, let's keep the river flowing. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Y'all help me this morning. Come on, Jesus loves a hilarious giver, a joyful giver, knowing that, man, I get a chance to make a difference. Amen. The fifth blessing of being a giver is this. Giving helps improve my life. Giving helps improve. Not only do I improve other people's lives, I improve my own life by giving. You know, Proverbs says some people give and, and have more. And some people with a whole and have less. And so listen, Proverbs 22, 9 says, a generous man will himself be blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Remember the analogy of the givers and takers we talked about just a minute ago? The givers and takers, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is filled with life. The Dead Sea has no life in it. The only difference is the Sea of Galilee gives. See, what turns you from Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee is giving. What causes you from being dead to having life is learning how to give. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The more you give, the more you'll be blessed. When you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. The more we sow, the more we reap. The more, the more we sow blessings, the more we receive blessings. See, we reap in proportion to what we sow. So the more you give, the more blessed you are. You know, when we get this principle, like for instance, I remember getting this revelation, like, you know, when you go eat at a restaurant, how many of you ever been a waiter or a waitress? You ever been like that? And you know, some people say, you know, they go eat at a restaurant and if they'll leave a tip, they do it good. But someone, well, and I'm not picking, I don't know what you do when you go eat out. But, you know, I've heard people say, I'm not about to give that waiter 10%. God is the only one who gets my 10%. But, you know, I got this revelation. It's just like I'll throw a dollar up there. You know, hey, thanks for your service. But, you know, I got this revelation. Do you want to sow and be blessed? Or you want to withhold and not be blessed? So it changed my perspective about tipping. It's a small analogy. But if you understand the concept, some people, they don't want to help anybody. Help. Why would I want to help? You need to help me. You know, people come to church and says, how can this church bless me? No, it's a wrong mentality. You should come to church and say, how can I bless this church? Come on, y'all help me out out here. Amen. We come to church and we say, what does this church have for me? Wrong question. You need to come to church and say, what can I give to this church? So I don't want to help you and your church. Wrong perspective. It's not my church. I could be gone like that. God's church is going to continue. It's his church. It's not my church. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? It's all in your perspective. So listen, if you want to be blessed, you got to learn how to be generous. Amen. Giving helps improve my life. You know, I'm convinced that the only people that have problems with talking about giving in church are people that have problems with giving. I think that went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) Really, isn't that true? If you're generous, you don't have problems. Come on, preach it, brother. 
Listen to Tony out there. Come on, come on, say that, say that. He's a generous guy. But whenever you're stingy, you're just like. Well, here we go talking about money in church again. Man. Hey, listen, if you read your Bible, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven or hell. He talked more about giving than he talked about faith. You know why? Because he knew we needed to hear a lot about it. That's why I think. Amen. So listen to this verse, Acts 20, 35. There is more happiness in giving than in receiving. The most depressed people on the planet are stingy people. You know, it's like, man, you could become so selfish that you just live your life in a corner somewhere and you close all the curtains, you lock all the doors. Somebody come knocking on, they probably after my money. Go check the door, honey. Go check the door, who that is. Tell them to get off our property. They might trip and sue us. And then you die. And then your family says, yes! Woohoo! And they run their hands through your money. He's like, yes! We're going to spend your money! Amen! And then you get to heaven and, and you say, Lord, I meant to. I meant to do something with all that money. But I was afraid. And he's going to say, hmm. It's too late now. It's too late. It's time to give an account. Come on, that was a funny story, wasn't it? <laughs> that's not in my notes. That's all. That's by the Spirit right there. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so listen. The most depressed people on the planet are the stingiest, greediest, the happiest people on the planet are the most generous. Amen? The sixth blessing of being generous is this. Giving helps prepare me for eternity. Remember the parable Jesus told about the three servants, uh, two of these servants, they were all given a different amount, five, two, and one, and uh, two of them were reinvested what the, what the master gave them, and the master said, hey, I'm going to give you this for a while, and I'm going to come back and, you know, be faithful with it. Remember that? Let, let's just take time to read the story, because it's very powerful and very pertinent for what we're talking about. In Matthew 25, 14, and just as the man for it is just like a man who about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same way, the manner, the, the manner of the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of these slaves or, or, yeah, the slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received, now let me just stop to mention, he's, Jesus is talking about, like, he gave talent, he went away, and he's coming back. Okay, he's the master, right? Verse 20, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You're faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who received the two talents came and said, Master, you've entrusted two talents. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you where you scattered no seed. Verse 25. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. 
But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave, you know that I reap where I didn't sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from, the, from, from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throughout the worthless slave into the outer darkness in a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this story is about three different people. One has five, one has two, one has one. Two invested their talent. Now, you know, we could look at this like money, right? The talents represents money. But, you know, I believe the talents represents life. Not money. It does involve money. But it involves life. Life is precious. Life is like gold. It's like silver. It's valuable. And so God has given us all some talent. He's given us all some life. Now, what do we do with the life God has given us? Do we hide it? Do we bury it? Or do we invest it? Now, listen. Two of them heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many of you think that's a good voice right there? How many, how many of you want to hear that? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. But then one, he hid his life. He didn't use his life. And the master said, hey, you're wicked. Oh, my goodness. I would never want Jesus to tell me I'm wicked nor lazy, nor depart from me. Come on, neither one of those phrases would I want to hear, amen? But I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now listen, what was the difference? What was the difference between the three? Two invested, two were givers. One was a taker. See, now listen, this is kind of like, you know, the award ceremony. This is like, you know, the Academy Awards of Heaven. And God's rewarding those who did good with their life. So you see, listen, this is what I'm saying. If we're Christians, we're responsible. God has given us more talent than the person that's not a Christian. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to be faithful with what the Lord has given us? Our legacy is dependent on us being generous and giving our life away in service to him. Amen? How many of you would agree with that? Okay, now listen. Now let me, let me conclude with this verse. The key to being a generous person is this. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says this. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. You know what, you know what makes us generous is giving ourselves to the Lord. Amen. Don't you agree? It's giving ourselves to the Lord. You know what? Listen, the more you give yourselves to the Lord, you're going to be more like the master 
You're going to reflect his nature and character. See, it's not how many Bible verses you know. It's not how well you know the Bible. It's how spiritually mature you are. One of the signs of spiritual maturity is how much your life you give away to in service to the Lord. Amen. So you can't really be generous until you give your life in service to the Lord. Amen. When you give your life away, that's when you're going to really tap in to true, abundant, rich life. Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. 